From The Ringer, I'm Tyler R. Times. When I spoke to NFL star Cam Newton in January, his mindset was clear. I want my whole career to be in Charlotte. Cam won't be getting that wish. He was released by the Carolina Panthers in March. Cam is a complex figure, and my interest in him goes far beyond his exuberant smile and transcendent style of play. Cam broke the glass ceiling in American athletics, ascending to a place in the sport that few black quarterbacks have ever reached, making his fall that much more dramatic. Over the past year, I've traveled the country speaking to coaches and teammates, friends and family, reporters, and even briefly to the man himself, trying to unravel the enigma that is Cam Newton. I uncover contradictions at every turn. How can the hardest worker on the team be depicted as a bad leader? And how can a franchise icon with an NFL MVP and Super Bowl appearance on his resume be so abruptly cast aside? The Ringer NFL Show presents The Cam Chronicles. The series premieres Monday, July 13th. This week's episode of the JJ Reddick podcast with Tommy Alter. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by our friend uh, Win Butler from the band Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire won the Grammy for Album of the Year in 2010 with Suburbs. Uh, they've had a, a bunch of great albums. Win knows this, but I'm a little bit of a fanboy, and Arcade Fire is in my top five of favorite bands. Um, he's going to make some accusations against me. In regards to some of my other favorite bands, he knows your fanboy. He knows your fanboy, and he holds it over you. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He, he holds it. He he's well aware. <laughs> oh man, we've had some fun times with Win here in New Orleans. So Win was the first person to reach out to me after it was announced that I was coming to the Pelicans. Obviously, some members of the team had reached out, but in terms of people in New Orleans, he was the first person that reached out. Gave me a bunch of recommendations on schools and where to live and. Uh, where to eat and where to hang out. So he's it is been weird. A, he was the first person, and it was not out a, of the blue. I would not have so, predicted that. I think it was somebody from the Sixers staff reached out and was like, "Hey, Win Butler wants to get in contact with you. Can he have your number?" I was like, "Yeah, of course. This is awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, good dude. We also I uh, just to uh, give you a little preview of our rankings for this week." Um, it was a very contentious ranking. We ranked condiments July 4th weekend. You know, everybody's going to be out in their barbecue with just their immediate family, hopefully, and masks on. Masks on, Please everybody. social distance. Uh, just please be smart. So we were going to rank condiments, and there were some surprising entries. I'll leave it at that. Yep. What What do you What do you make of, uh, so it was just announced a little bit ago that Victor Oladipo's out. You know, he's he's your friend. I know your Vic. Friend. Yeah. What do you what do you make of him sitting out? Are you surprised at all? I'm not. I know he was thinking uh he's worked really hard to get back into uh to game shape. I mean, he was playing before everything shut down, but you know, this is and we've talked about this in the show a bunch. 
this stop, this stop and start of this is going to be challenging on everybody's body. It's going to be challenging on guys who've had no health issues all year. With the nature of that injury, you know, it just was really a dice roll that I think he just was not comfortable taking. And you think about how long he was out for. He was out for at least basically a year. Longer than that, it was probably 13 months. And that was with, you know, crazy rehab from the jump. And he's a super hardworking dude. And he's a young guy who like recovers fast and everything like that. And he still had that rehab. And so it wasn't worth it. But, you know, I, I'm curious whether there will be other guys over the next couple of weeks with these, with their own sort of individual injury concerns who start to think about it from that perspective rather than just the the COVID stuff or or the social stuff or anything else. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because, you know, we were told we had to tell our teams by June 24th, I think was the day, whether or not we were going to opt out. And obviously, you know, teams are, are working with their players to come up with the best solution for each guy. I do think there'll be more guys that opt out of playing. We've talked about this, but each individual player has to make an individual decision. I, there's obviously some people, you know, if 80% of the league comes out and says, we're not playing, then the other 20% are probably going to say, all right, we're not playing, you know, um, and vice versa. Uh, but, but each guy kind of has to make his own choice. You know, it's, it's I, with, with Vic specifically, I read his statement and he says, you know, as a competitor and as a teammate, you know, this is such a hard decision. And you like, you try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to understand that thought process and how, how hard that decision is. And to think about your teammates and your coaches and, you know, not, and giving up just the opportunity to play. It's, it's a tough decision, man. And, and he's one of those guys, I mean, you know, you, uh, you yourself are like this, but you also have played with a lot of guys like this. He's one of those guys that spends an incredible amount of time in the gym. You know, he's all about basketball. He has been since he basically, uh, you know, his story, we'll have him on the show at some point and he'll sort of give us the full story, but his story is amazing. Even his come up. I mean, he wasn't recruited out of high school. He was a walk on Indiana and ended up the national player of the year at Indiana. And from that, he got to the pros, but, uh, you know, he's someone who it's not like he's just going to be hanging out. You know, this is killing, it's killing him not being able to do it. And so it's just the, it's like a thing for us all to sort of think about, you know, as we watch the, the games get going, it's like, you just have to have all of the COVID stuff aside and all of the sort of mental stuff aside of being able to get your mind around playing with no fans and everything like that. There's also just like pe players' bodies may act differently because of everything that's happened. And so we just have to be aware of that as like a, as like fans watching is that if somebody, you know, somebody may need to take three weeks from a hamstring injury that they might've gotten over in 10 days or something like that, because they're just not ready for, for this level of stress. That's a valid point. You're going to see varying degrees of the level of fitness uh, for certain players and, and certain teams, certainly depending on how. You know, each team views that ramp up period from July 10th to July 30th. Like, how are we using those 20 days? How many off days are we getting? Uh, how much five on five are we doing? How much conditioning are we doing? How much conditioning are we not doing? You know, how much are we really loading these guys' bodies over this course of the 20 days? Because, you know, again, we'll talk about it a little bit with Win, but right now, there's only so much that we're really allowed to do in the facility. 
And so each guy can kind of monitor his own load. But, you know, I'm not seeing half my team. I go in in one group in the morning and there's another group that comes in after us. You know, we're working a little bit like two on O stuff and then doing some shooting and some lifting. But it's not the same as a, a real practice or a real game. And so you've got this really short window. And I think it's going to be interesting to your point. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, which teams and which players, you know, use that 20 days well and which which teams and players maybe don't respond as well to that 20 days. Speaking of, of fitness, uh, your teammates, uh, new body, it was made, made <laughs> bouncing around the internet uh, over the last couple of days. Were you with him or no? Yeah, he's in my group. Yeah. So uh, I was with him the last two days because I, I couldn't use the facility before the first uh, because I was quarantining at at Drew's house, which is where I'm at right now. I'm in I'm in Drew Holiday's house, but Zion definitely looks great. And the picture that was put up yesterday, the mask was like an added effect. The mask is amazing. And then the the side angle of him turning, it was a it was like half Thanos, half Bane. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But he legit looked like a superhero. Now, well, I'm excited to see, you know, what he does. Uh, apparently, for the last you know several weeks, he's been. He's been training really hard, so I'm excited to to see him in this environment. I have one court. I have one court question for you. So I saw this thing on Twitter. I believe yesterday or the day before, where basically teams shipped their practice courts from all over the country out to Orlando. So you're going to be able to practice on the Pelicans court. Blah blah blah. How is it going to work with the games itself? Is it like if you have a home game, it's played on your court, or is it on a neutral floor? That I don't have a definitive answer to. Um, I would say, from my understanding, they're trying to do maybe a Black Lives Matter like lettering around the court. And so there yeah. may be just one court, and you're not switching out the colorways for the home team or the, yeah. That everyone plays on, and yeah. they. Yeah, one design across the board. It seems like that would be easier, and you're also bringing in less workers swapping out the court. It just seems like logistically that'd probably be easier. Well, does it make? I know that guys have have rims and stuff like that. There are things about their arenas that they get used to, but does the actual court really matter or not really? I don't think so. I don't think so. The, I mean, sight li- sightline does. I think sightline does. Meaning, like the depth perception behind the rim, and then from the side. Another part about sightline is just the lights. So sometimes you can be at a free throw line in the arena, and there'll be two lights coming through the glass backboard directly in your eyes yeah um and you're trying to like look at those lights and shoot free throws at the same time so those there, there's some quirks like that but I, I i mean look we've all grown up playing in all sorts of gyms i don't i don't necessarily think that's going to be uh an issue i i do i again i keep saying this but i really am curious about what gameplay is like as a player with no fans that's that's the one to me that i'm I'm most curious. Let's jump on uh, this convo with Wynn. Here we go. Wynn, thanks for joining the pod. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually in of Monsters and Men now. I made a little switch that got traded at the deadline. So. The COVID, the COVID trade, the COVID bad trade. Uh, that'd, be pretty, that'd be pretty sick if that, sick if that was a thing. It's like, oh, I'm actually in the killers now. <laughs> that actually would be amazing. <laughs> I, I actually I actually posed this question. 
I don't know why I posed this question, but I did because I was having a conversation with a buddy earlier in the day, but I posed this question yesterday on Twitter, Fleetwood Mac or the Rolling Stones. Now, I recognize it's two very different bands and there was there was the the blues version of Fleetwood Mac and then there was the Lindsey Buckingham Stevie Nicks version. Where do you stand on this Fleetwood Mac or Rolling Stone? I'm talking to someone that I heard say of Monsters and Men as their favorite band, so this is a tough one. I'm trying to think how to triangulate this. <laughs> Like if my son came in and was like, dad, my favorite band is of Monsters and Men. I'd be like, you're grounded forever. <laughs> like, don't come out of your room until you listen to any music and then come talk to me. Um, <laughs> it's a tough one. Kind of a random, a random comp. It's, like, yeah. uh, it's not a comp though. It's not a comp. It's, it's not a, a comp. It's, the, it's a taste in music. It's pretty random. Um, let's go with the Stones. Okay. I feel like I need to defend myself a little bit here. It came completely out of nowhere. Completely completely out of nowhere. I mean, it's sort of like if if I was just like, okay, best player of all time, Dan Marley (laughs) or Manute Bull. Which (laughs) one is the best of all time? It can only be one. Just like that, it's totally random. Th- that wasn't how the question was posed. <laughs> okay. Number one. JJ, explain, explain and in your that scenario. Process. Explain your thought process. No, I mean, dude, Marley I, all the way, right? Yeah. Marley for sure. In that comparison. <laughs> but I don't know that I was saying I wasn't saying they were the best bands ever. I, I was know, just I saying But even comparing Dan Marley to Manubal is sort of it's sort of I would I guess I would go with uh it's a it's a coin toss. I like I like aspects of both. I love I mean, the Stones, like, the highs are a little bit higher, I would say. I had been listening to both bands quite a bit on Spotify over the last mm-hmm. week. And I was just I was just asking for people's personal opinion. Right, and I, I, was, ab- I was absolutely shocked at how many people chose Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, people have really horrible tastes, so... <laughs> <laughs> apparently i do i mean because when i have a question this is a serious I mean, so question just, what's the, what is the absence of taste i feel like i feel like <laughs> you got on this podcast today with a little bit of like an edge to you you know you came in with a fucking with a knife out i haven't talked to anyone in six months <laughs> this is literally the first i haven't even i've even talked to regina i've just been in this room <laughs> staring at this computer and then the, you guys just popped up so i don't Wynn's know he's got a lot crazy. to say he's got a lot i've, to I've got a lot to say yeah at what at what point in time did i ever say of monsters and men was my favorite band i, I never have i've never said that <laughs> that's and, sticking that's sticking from now on i said so you said it so it must be true right <laughs> that's sticking from now on when i hope you know that from now on of monsters and men is 100 so what i mean then what's the deal with the monsters and men tattoo then i mean how do you explain that <laughs> it's a kings of leon tattoo all right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least it's not the Chili Peppers. I, I, I there's actually, always a worse. There's always a. There's always a. At least there's always a worse example. The Kings of Leon, as my dad refers to them. I actually have. I, so I do have. I have a, a song lyric of theirs tattooed on my forearm. It was the original tattoo that I got on my forearm prior to the, the sleeve or whatever. And I I met Nathan, uh, the drummer. He came to a couple Clippers games that I gave him tickets to, and I made sure that I wore long sleeve shirts to those games. I didn't want a fanboy like that. How did you feel? Like really feel you felt embarrassed or you felt like, I, I still feel embarrassed. I still feel embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> 
<laughs> At least you can always remember. Like you can always just remember how embarrassed you feel. The NBA lockout was a hell of a time. Yeah. You know, it 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 made me do some things that I normally wouldn't do. Was that the last time with this kind of everything up in the air vibe? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. the the difference there was that uh, hundreds of thousands of people weren't dying, and we could actually move around and live our normal life. We just didn't have basketball. Yeah, better. What 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 have you been up to for the past few months? Well, I mean, we were in the studio with the band when you know the I can't remember what the date was, but whatever it became evident that this shit was really not happening. Um, so like everyone had to change their tickets. We we were we had been in the studio for you know we'd done a couple sessions, so we were sort of like right right in it. You know, we had the studio in the house, so Regina and I have just been like. I don't, I don't think I've worked so intensely since I was like 18 or something, just like all day, every day till three in the morning, writing and refining and thinking about stuff. And, um, so in, in a way we, we didn't have a tour booked or, you know, we didn't, we didn't have anything going. So it wasn't like we were in the middle of a tour and had to go home. And so it's, it's been in a way, it's just like a much, much more extreme version of what we do anyway, which is just right for you know, a year at a time and just like really dig deep. And so in a, in a way that's, that's what's been actually kind of strange about is it's sort of like in the flow of our, um, you know, our kind of, uh, how this thing goes, we're, we're sort of in that phase anyway, that like, no one talked to me, leave me alone phase. Do you feel like you've been productive from the jump or did it take you like a month to get your, yourself mentally prepped to work? I mean, I feel like I was in the Olympics about to take a ski jump and then like the whole thing changed. I was like, well, I'm still landing this jump. I'm in the yeah. air right now. So like, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, we're like the muscle memory is taking over. So you're just like, I always, the idea of like the end of the world was like endlessly fascinating to me. Like any science fiction movie that was about like everything being different. And so it's, it's so surreal just to be like, oh, wow. like that's, this is pretty much it. So like, I was like, okay, okay, Butler, you've been training for this, <laughs> training this your whole life. Yeah. That's like, um, so that's been kind of interesting, but you actually went to that dark place, the dark place. You went to the I dark mean, place, the end of the world. Well, I just the, I don't know. Like I woke up, I woke up, uh, two days ago and pick up my phone. And the first article is about 300 elephants dying, like dropping dead in Botswana for mysterious causes. And it's just like aerial photos of these dead elephants. I'm like, what the fuck am I waking up to? And then, and then yesterday I wake up and pick up my phone and it's like, man has six hour erection from COVID side effects. And I'm just like, <laughs> like how the fuck is this the front page of my newsfeed? Like, it's like you pick up the New York times and it's like erection last. And it's like, <laughs> This is like this is why this country is insane because it's like this is literally what I'm reading, like as if I'm opening the Times and it's like dead elephants and erectile dysfunction. I'm just like, what the fuck? This is you know. So I don't know. Weird times for for you guys in the music industry. Like, how how are you sort of managing out timelines right now? Obviously, you're working on the new stuff, but in terms of let's say going on tour. That can't happen till there's a vaccine, I assume. You can't really start scheduling stuff till there's a vaccine. I know there's been some concerts in, t in places like Tennessee or, you know, but, but 
I'm not looking to do the weird like drive in guinea pig thing. And like, I mean, it's the same thing with the NBA. It's like, you know, I remember when uh, Pearl Jam, there were a bunch of people died at a festival because they rushed the stage like in Roskilde in Denmark, like nine people died. And it basically, they didn't, for a decade, that totally messed with that band. So imagine like playing a show and it's like, cool, only two people directly died from the show. Pretty good, right? There were like 25,000 people. So only two, you know, I mean, it's like when I'm watching this Trump shit, I'm just like, how, like what kind of psychopath is cool with that, that kind of collateral damage. We're like, Oh, only three old people died as a direct result of my stupid bullshit. Like I'm cool with that. I'm going to head on the pillow tonight, baby. Like, let's do it. Like, <laughs> like it's not, it's not fucking cool. Like it, it's like, it's not a percentage thing. It's like, I would rather zero people are die as a direct result of my job. Like in general, I hope not, you know, <laughs> good thing to aspire to. If you were an NBA player, would you then be uh, sort of in the camp that we we shouldn't be playing? There shouldn't be a season. We shouldn't even tackle that risk, even though we're, we have all these precautions. No, because I mean, I, like my instinct was just like, we're already with the band. We already have the engineers. Just everyone stick together, ride it out. Like we've continued to work through it and just been seeing each other. It's like, eventually it's going to go that way anyway. It's like, you're going to hang with everyone in your office or everyone at your work. And those are the... and because the world can't stop. So it's like, you need to, you need to be with other people. And if you have the ability to do your job and kind of control the environment to a certain extent, I think that's a, I think you got to do that. I think that's the, that's the thing to do. Cause it's like, it's like, we're all a bunch of, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a bunch of rich people that can afford to not work anyway. You know, it's like most people, it's, you know, you have the options like, Oh, cool. I'm just, my kids aren't going to go to school. And I'm not going to work just for like a year or so. And like, let's just see what happens. Like, like if you, I think if you can, there's a certain amount of risk just in waking up in the morning. I mean, you're more likely to die in a car crash than from COVID anyway, or a heart attack at some point. So I, I still think you gotta, particularly if you're like a young, an athlete, you're young. It's like, you don't have any preexisting conditions. Like I'm, I'm not worried about myself. I don't wake up worried that I'm going to get COVID. It's more like, I don't want to be responsible in my work for exposing a bunch of other people to it that don't need to be exposed to it. So it's, I think, I think it, if you, if you can, the future, the, the immediate future is just work getting together with the people that you, the work you really need to do, getting with those people and doing that work. I, I personally, I, I think that's the, the way. So I think it's cool. I think the idea of you guys going and doing and playing is I'm all in on that because it's just like, even just the messaging and what you can accomplish through doing it. Like the, the positive is so much more so outweighs the negative and it's a historic opportunity. I mean, I think baseball isn't going to figure it out. Football is certainly not going to figure it out. So it's like, I think it's, I think, I think basketball is sort of uniquely situated to give it a go. You know, I would agree. I think we, we can lead on this to talk a little bit about, you know, the question of safety, I was asked today on a Zoom call with uh, with the media, like what my level of comfort was in going down to Orlando. And I and I just said, I was honest, but I said I I don't think there's any level of comfort. Like I don't I don't I'm not comfortable with it. Do I think we should play? Yeah, I do. And I and I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna try to do my job. But 
there's the risk of COVID. And as you said, it's not just the risk to yourself, but it's the risk to everyone you come in contact with. There's everything happening in the country with regards to social justice. And I brought this up too. Like, 